Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. It's Wednesday. I'm at the Novacare Complex, and the madness has begun ahead of Sunday's NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. We've got a great podcast for you. We're going to get to a lot of it here. I want to set the scene. And, of course, I want to do that with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, as we did last week. The great Merrill Reese. Hi, Merrill. Hi. How much fun was Saturday night for you? It was a ball. What a great game. What a great atmosphere. What a great result. I usually feel like playoff games are almost uh, vomitous because they're, you're just so clenched and nervous. That game, as you said, and, and Peter King uh, made you a, a quote of the week, the game was over after the coin flip. Yeah, it basically was. I even liked the way the coin flip turned out. <laughs> you wanted the offense on the field first. I did. Why? I did. Because I just love the way the offense can set a tone. I know you can set a tone with the defense, and I understand the analytics that you get the ball one more time. But to me, when that crowd is ready and you throw that offense out on the field and they move the way they did, boy, it just sets a tremendous tone. I felt that way early in the season. On the Monday night game against Minnesota, Eagles lose the coin toss, on comes the offense, and the Vikings were never back in that game. Hmm. And conversely, there was a situation against the Saints, and of course it wasn't Jalen Hurts that night, but there was a situation against the Saints late in the season where the Eagles deferred, and the Saints drove the football for 8 minutes and 58 seconds, and that crowd that started out at a high level was dissipated. It was like the air went out of the balloon, and then the offense went one, two, three, and out a couple of times, and it was tough to get back into that. That said, let's explain why teams defer. The theory is that you get one more yes. possession, and then you get back-to-back possessions, end of the first half, beginning of the second half, and there's an opportunity to really create some distance. And so I think that no matter what team wins the toss, they're going to defer. Yeah, but for years and years and years and years, you win the coin toss, you take the football. And I still think there's an advantage to that. All right, well, we'll see. Sunday, it's the Eagles and the 49ers in this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. We're going to uh, check in with some players from the podium and the locker room. Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, Brandon Graham. Uh, We're going to hear from Tony Leonard in our Extra Point, who's in charge of the Lincoln Financial Field turf, uh, natural grass. Beautiful, right? Beautiful. When you look around the league, Merrill, at this time of year, those teams that play with natural grass, burned out, brown, just spotty. The Eagles' uh, Lincoln Financial Field is absolutely gorgeous. It it really is, but it's been resotted in the last month, and that's great. That's great. We're going to get our first look at the 49ers. Um, and we're going to hear from head coach Nick Sirianni, as well as one of those defensive players, James Bradbury. Merrill, let's talk briefly here about the 49ers. And actually, before that, let's talk about the setting on this Wednesday and paint the picture because you do it so eloquently for the listeners. What is different about the Novacare Complex on this Wednesday before the NFC Championship game? Well, the number of national media who have descended upon the Novacare Center to cover this football team. So when you have instead of maybe 50 reporters on a Wednesday and suddenly that triples to maybe 150 and they're throughout the building and they're going into the locker rooms and they fill up the auditorium, it's there's a feeling that something special is taking place. And also, instead of the media going into the locker room, which they do uh, for the interviews, they also keep bringing players out. So instead of 
one player, you're probably going to get four. And you get the biggest stars on the team. And you sit back there and you, you pop a question here and there. And these guys are great. They're, they're welcoming and they're as expansive as they possibly can be. But there's no doubt about it from the time you, you drive up to the area and you look at the parking lot you know, something is special. No doubt about it. And I, I always look, as I've said this before, I always look for energy and tightness versus looseness. I always felt Andy Reid's teams were just a little bit tight. I don't sense that. But I certainly didn't sense it in 2017. I don't sense it with this team either. I think it's kind of a business as, as usual aspect to this football team. Well, and I think, I think one of the people who sets the tone for that. Now, uh, I know it comes from the head coaches and all of that. But when you have a quarterback who is on a level line, who doesn't change. He, he Jalen Hurts just seems to be the same Jalen Hurts, win, loss, sunshine, snow. No matter what there is, there's a certain calming influence that he bestows on everybody around him. I kind of, in, in defense of Donovan McNabb, I felt that about Donovan. His, his um, approach was much more disarming in a, in a light, jovial yeah, way. Yeah, I, I don't mean that as a criticism of Donovan McNabb because I'm a big fan of Donovan yeah. McNabb. Best and quarterback I, and I in like franchise history. Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought the same with Carson and then Nick in 2017. I thought Nick was extremely calming. Yeah. Although I didn't look to him for that. I looked for him Look to him to play better than he played down the sure, stretch. Sure. They, he didn't take over till late in the season. Yeah. He, you, that season was made by Carson Wentz. It's tough to look at Carson Wentz now and believe that he's the quarterback who was, at the time he went down in Los Angeles, the most likely MVP. And ever since then, it's been a different Carson Wentz. Amazing. All right, let's get to it here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Our first interview, James Bradbury, Eagles All-Pro cornerback, stopped by the studio here to talk about his season, his bet on himself, and what's ahead against the 49ers. Pleased to be joined by all-pro cornerback. Look at his smile. All-pro cornerback James Bradbury. You like the sound of that, don't you? I do. I do. I love it. Um, I know you're not a, an individual awards guy, but um, I think there are some that actually are very meaningful. Um, what What did being named all-pro mean to you, James? Um, it meant that all my hard work paid off, you know? Um, I come in every day, try to keep me a routine, try to be consistent, and... Um, uh, that's pretty much how I feel about the honors. You know, I've been a consistent player throughout the year. I made some plays. And, uh, it's all coming to fruition. How do you judge your play? Um, I really judge my play by how many, like, impact plays I make and um, pretty much how consistent I am. How I'm, am I in position most of the game? You know, am I doing my job and whatnot? But I guess, but, but I guess a deeper question, you know, what defines consistency? If they're not throwing the football your way, for example... Um, you are still grading your performance based on what? Uh, look, I'm just looking at my technique, you know. Of course, looking at the effort, uh, but mainly the technique, you know. If you're not getting a lot of balls thrown at you, you just got to make sure you uh, stay on top of your technique and um, don't let them, like, lure you to sleep because it can get kind of boring, like, when they're not attacking you. <laughs> for, for those who, I mean, fans only see when the ball comes your way. I mean, um, does technique vary a lot from one game to the next? Did, did it early in your career? Is that kind of how you become an all-pro, that that consistency in the technique is there every single play? Uh, well, I think it starts, like it all starts in the off-season, you know, working out hard, making sure your body's ready for training camp and uh, making sure you're working on your technique so it becomes just natural. And you don't, you're not really uh, reacting and like overemphasizing it when you get to the season. 
And of course, you practice a lot throughout the year. You watch a lot of films, so you got to make sure you're always honing in on your technique and make sure your, your craft is is good and what, um, if not perfect, you know. And um, I mean, the, uh, the yeah, very idea of a quarterback yeah. is that the receiver knows where he's going. You don't. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, in an argument would say that you're a better athlete than a wide receiver, but we won't say that because that would offend perhaps people out there um, who are wide receivers. But, like, they, so I'm, I'm just trying to get to the essence of it. Are your feet the most important part of your of your technique? Are your hips the most important part of your technique? Are your hands the most important? Your eyes? Uh, well, our coach always emphasizes the eyes. You know, it starts with your eyes. Um, and, of course, as a DB, you got to have good feet. Um, so I would also say it starts with your feet as well. Um, but for me, I try to start with my eyes. Um that's kind of how, like, I kind of gauge and anticipate certain plays, you know, based off the situation, based off what I'm seeing as far as formation. Um, even the, the the receiver's mannerisms as he's coming off the ball. James, uh, you made the playoffs in 2017 with Carolina um, early in your career. And I wondered, you know, did you think, like, hey, this is going to be this is going to be the way it's going to be all the time back then? And then here we are five, five years For later, sure. right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was bits, you, you really learned to appreciate these moments. You definitely do. I mean, my uh, my first year we didn't we didn't play well, and that was after the uh, the Carolina Panthers came off that Super Bowl run. So I came in after. So I was thinking, you know, I was it's going to be kind of pretty smooth. I was going to get to the playoffs, and it didn't go that way that first year there. But the second year, like you said, we made it to the playoffs, and I didn't really get the feeling that it was going to be like that because um, my third and fourth year I didn't make it to the playoffs. So kind of just go by season by season. What was different about your feeling, if you can recall back in 2017, that playoff appearance and how you felt on Saturday in front of a rocking Lincoln mm-hmm. Financial Field? Uh, it was a similar atmosphere. We was actually playing in New Orleans in the Superdome. Um, so if, if anyone knows anything about the Saints and their fans, they get pretty rowdy as well. So it was definitely a loud game. Um, and that was the year the Saints had a really, really good team. And they went on a, a long run in the playoffs. I think they went to Super Bowl. No, 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 lost, no, lost no, no, bad, no, no. That, that was the Minnesota miracle mm. that that knocked. See, Drew Brees was tough. Yeah, he was. And I was thinking, I remember watching that game and going, oh, I really don't know if I want to see Drew Brees in the NFC Championship game. And instead, we got Kirk Cousins. No offense to Kirk Cousins, but he ain't Drew Brees. Hey, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was nice. Yeah, he really was. What kind of quarterback gives you the most, like, or do you have not the most respect for, but gives you the most trouble? Is it the guy who gets rid of the football really quickly? Is it the big arm guy? Is it the mobile guy? Well, I wouldn't say. Any one uh, quarterback really gives me like a whole lot of problems because of what like one attribute that they have. I know Breeze like he was really accurate, so I had to be aware of you know he's going to be pinpoint accurate. So I got to make sure I'm always tight on the receiver, and uh, be aware where he's trying to throw the ball. And then like, when we used to play Jameis Winston, he had a strong arm, so I was really worried about the deep ball when I played against him. Um, and I played against Tom Brady before, and he was he was like really really smart, so he always knew where to go with the ball. Um, and he kind of plays with the rhythm of the, like the cadence of the offense and whatnot, uh, the snap count to try to get you out of the disguise as far as the safeties and stuff. So he was really, really smart. And he always knew where to go with the ball. Is he um, the GOAT? And you're, do you have a GOAT out there? Yeah, I'll probably say Tom Brady. You yeah. know, the fact that he's been able to do it for this long and be this strong uh, for so long, got to name him the GOAT. Was Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers in that category also? Yeah, I think so. I think Aaron Rodgers is kind of like all-around elite quarterback, strong arm, really, really smart, accurate, uh, can also run, make plays with, the, with his legs. So he's definitely in the conversation for go-to. All right, let's talk about James Bradbury, Philadelphia Eagle. Um, you bet on yourself after things didn't work out for you this year in the uh, with the Giants. And did you feel that way at the time that you were, that this was going to be a year that kind of really set up, I don't know, the rest of your career? 
mean, how'd you look at it? Uh, I was just going in there with an open mind. You know, I wasn't really sure how it was going to work out. Um, I knew I was signing a one-year deal, so I was just really just trying to go in here and compete and just make as many plays as I could. I can. In retrospect, what was the determining factor of, you know, choosing Philadelphia? It was ultimately the uh, the roster, you know, they built here. I knew we had a good front seven. Um, I knew we had the ability to, to score points on offense. Um, so anytime you got a good offense, you know, it keeps the defense off the field. Anytime you have a good front seven, you know, it makes the job as a DB a lot easier. Did you research uh, Coach Nick and, and you know, any of the defensive coaches, John, JG and the, and the guys that you would be talking to as well? Um, I knew about D-Will because uh, him, well, my agent used to be his agent back in the day when he played. Um, so that's how we kind of knew each other and was familiar with each other. So that was pretty much the only coach I knew about. Denard Wilson, of course. Um, what, what is he the one that you communicate with the most, James? Yeah, I would definitely say, man, I spend, like, as far as coaches, I spend the most time with him. What, so tell me about him as a coach. How has he helped your game? How has he helped this defensive backfield? Uh, we well, didn't get any, like, good sign for, as a coach, I feel like he always gives his players information to go out there and make plays. And um, D. Will, he always gives us a lot of information uh, so that on game day, you know, uh, we kind of anticipate plays and we can play ahead of the snap. Of course, you're not going to know every play when they line up, but if you got some good tendencies and some um, some good nuggets from your coach, it'll definitely put you in a better position to win. This defense has been really lights out. I, I don't. I feel like the defense hasn't gotten the respect nationally that maybe it should get. Um, that remains to be seen. Nobody cares. We keep winning. Do you feel that this defense has gotten better and better and better, right? and that you are hopefully peaking at the right time? Yeah, I definitely think um, we've gotten better and better over the year, and I'm hoping that we're picking at the right time. I know we played a fantastic game this past week. Uh, so like you said, we just got to keep it going and make sure we keep that peak rising. And the interception that you had, James, I, I would imagine that you saw the end zone after your catch. Um, tell me what happened there. And were you mad at yourself for not scoring? Uh, I wasn't really mad at myself for not scoring. I know a lot of people was like, you could you could have stayed up and whatnot. But I was just happy I caught the ball, you know. It doesn't matter if you don't catch the ball. It, it becomes a pass breakup at that point. But we always looking for interceptions. So I was just glad I caught it, you know, and I was just making sure I secured it. Because I know as you're getting up as a, as a runner, guys are coming from everywhere. You don't really know where guys are going to be. And people are always punching at the ball. So I wanted to make sure I secured it. Um, and I was just happy I caught it. Uh, the, the, the playoff vibe in Philly, how would you describe it? Ooh, it's intense. Um, gives me chills. Uh, are you are you out and about at all these days? No, not really. Um, I live over in South uh, South Jersey, so I mainly just stay over there. Okay, but there's still tons of Eagles fans there. Are are you? Do yeah. you go out during this, these playoff games, or is it Novacare home, Novacare home stadium? For the most part, it's Novacare home, Novacare home, because um, of course I got to spend a lot of time recovering and stuff, um, watching film, and of course we got practices and whatnot. So for the most part, I'm usually tired by the end of the day. We are talking on a Wednesday here. Uh, the game is on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts on San Francisco? Uh, they have a strong team. Um, they have a lot of weapons on offense. You know, they're able to make plays uh, just by getting their uh, athletes the ball. You know, number 19, uh, Debo Samuel. You got C-Mac. Uh, I don't really know how to say number 11's last name. but Ayuk. Ayuk. He's a great athlete as well. They got, got Kittle. So they got plenty of weapons over there. Um, just got to make sure we're prepared and, you know, execute once we get out there. It's interesting because I think Samuel will also challenge cornerback's ability to tackle. Mm -hmm. You feel that way as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's um, he's kind of like AJ. You know, he's a stockier guy, strong, um, and he runs hard. 
So anytime you got a guy that's 215, 220, running full speed at you, like coming out of the backfield and also on the perimeter, it's definitely hard to uh, tackle. Do you pride yourself, James, on your tackling ability? Yeah, definitely. Um, I try my best not to miss any tackles. Um, and I've been doing a good job this year of making most of the tackles, you know, especially the solo ones. I don't think it looks great. Who's the, who's the GOAT cornerback? The GOAT cornerback. Um, I would also, I mean, of course you got Deion Sanders, but I always watch uh, Darrell, um, Darrell Reeves. Darrell Reeves? Um, I like Richard Sherman. Try to um, mold my game after him somewhat. I don't think Dion tackled a whole lot of people, did he? Mm. He was kill- he killed us. He was yeah. the ball, the playmaking ability, unbelievable. But I don't really remember him being all that interested in tackling anybody. Hey, when you that fast and you make that many plays on the ball, you don't really have to tackle like that at corner. Um, then all right, let's let's wrap this up because I know you got to get back into it. Um, how do you how, how do you like the fact that there's 50 reporters every single day in the locker room. You're you're always very willing with your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're always very uh, thoughtful, I think, with your answers. Um, you feel comfortable with media? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable. I know coming into it, you know, they're going to ask questions to try to trick you up and whatnot. So I try to, like you say, I try to keep my answers short. Um, and I try to be thoughtful with my answers so I don't, like, slip up and put myself in a bad oh, spot. Oh, the short answers, are they deliberate from... Oh, for sure. So, wait, if, so wait, if James Bradbury is away from the uh, the media. Are you, like, are you just, are you like a chatterbox? Uh, I'm not really a chatterbox, but I do definitely talk a whole lot more around people that I'm comfortable with, and most of the time not in front of the camera. I got you. Uh, what is the fashion of choice for Sunday? Mm, I haven't figured that out yet. I usually figure that out by Thursday or Friday. What's, is there like a tone that you, is there like a message you want to send with your, with your dress? Um, I try to keep it, you know, clean, but make sure like I have something that pops, okay. you know, um, for the most part, just keep it clean and make sure it all goes together. It kind of flows. And also, it fits me. Like, I don't really want to wear anything that I feel like doesn't fit my, like, my style of personality. Who do you feel is the best dra- dresser on the, on the team? The best dresser on the team. I definitely like Devontae Smith, um, his Sharp. suit choices. Sure. Um, I feel like Miles you know, definitely shows a lot of creativity with his, with his swag. Of course, you got Jalen. Jalen mm-hmm. always comes correct on game day. Um, you know, Fletch got a good uh, suit selection. Uh, Hassan, Hassan Reddick, he got Yes, to, he cares, yeah. he cares. I would put him and Miles kind of in the same category. Miles, though, I had a conversation with him. I'm, I'm a, an old square. I don't understand how young guys like you think that sneakers are a fashion accessory. Like, if you're going on a date, for example, you would wear really nice sneakers. Mm-hmm. Would you wear really nice sneakers on a date? For sure. Interesting. They're so expensive now. I mean... But they're sneakers. I get it. I get it. I get it. That's that's the era we live in right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I got to catch up. Uh, uh, what will the nervous be like, James, moving forward here this week? I, mean, I always believe that a very loose team is the team that performs the best. Uh, I mean, we try to keep it loose. Try to keep it uh, normal. Try to keep it, um, like I said, try to be consistent every each and every day. So I'm trying to stay in my same routine that I had during the regular season. Uh, but, of course, you know, we all know it's a big game. So, you know, you're going to have some jitters and butterflies throughout the week. But uh, when that ball snapped, that's when... I try to get my mind right and make sure I'm ready to play. It's, it's what everybody plays for, right? Yeah, your, your first yeah, yeah. NFC Championship game. Good stuff, man. Well, but I guess when, when did you notice a difference in tempo? Um, not really. I didn't. Um, I would say I noticed, um, I felt like the game was a lot faster. The first time I went to the playoffs in 2017, of course, I was a younger player. Uh, but this go around, I just tried to tell myself it's not anything different. You know, they're going to run the same plays that they've been running all year. It's going to be the same speed. Like, people don't get faster just for the playoffs. It's really just all in your mindset. And then the last one here, James, the Philadelphia Eagles crowd and the, the way it was electric on, on Saturday. Do you feel it from the fans? I'm, I'm really, every message I have mm. is like, fans, you got to bring your game to. Yeah, we definitely feel it. Um, I think that's the advantage of having home field. I mean, that's the, 
a positive of having home field advantage, you know, having a, a rowdy bunch as far as the crowd and, um, you know, them letting them, the opponents know that it's not going to be an easy task when you come here because we need them on defense, you know, especially on third down key situations when the offense is communicating a lot. You know, the, the, the crowd noise plays a factor in it. Two best teams in the NFC going at it on Sunday. NFC Championship game, Lincoln Financial Field. Three o'clock to kick off. James Bradbury, thank you so much for joining me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And good luck. Mm-hmm. Get another pick. This time, get into the end zone. If you get into the end zone, do you have a celebration planned or is that something that comes later in the week or is it spontaneous? I think me and the rest of the DBs are going to talk about it throughout the week um, and we'll figure something out by Sunday. I love it. Thanks, James. Good luck. Thank you. Go Birds! Merrill, we've talked about this. The keys... The acquisitions, A.J. Brown, clearly, but James Bradbury. Bringing in James Bradbury to play opposite Darius Slay, what a difference that has made in the secondary. Oh, it has. It has. He's been an outstanding player, and of course, he came up with the interception against his former team. How ironic was that? All right, so this is the matchup here. Let's talk about Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. How do you see that foursome? I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting because you're talking about two very dangerous receivers. Of course, don't forget Debo Samuel is also part-time a running back. Yes. I think, that, I think as James and I talked about, tackling will be really critical. I wonder if the Niners will try to make Darius Slay tackle and run Debo Samuel at him and run screens his way. Um, Merrill, your thoughts on Brock Purdy? I think he's he's done amazingly well. I mean, you can't take anything away with the guy they called Mr. Irrelevant because he was the last player picked in the draft. He has become very relevant indeed. But the biggest thing about Brock Purdy is the fact that for a guy in this position, he has had tremendous poise. On the other hand, his coach Kyle Shanahan has done a very good job of putting him into position to not have the game on his shoulders. They don't win because of Brock Purdy. He really really is a game manager, a quarterback who is taking moderate risks. Jalen Hurts plays a much more wide-open game, throws the ball through smaller windows. There's no comparison between Jalen Hurts, who has evolved into an elite quarterback, to Brock Purdy, who is in his first year, but he's certainly done as well as could ex- be better than, than than what could have been expected. Merrill, two better. years ago, two years ago, the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni. Um, I think we didn't really have a feel for him at the time. Heard great things from Frank Reich about him. Jeffrey Lurie spoke eloquently about Nick. Um, to what your thoughts on Nick here? We kind of celebrate the two-year anniversary of the head coach. He's done an amazing job. I mean, he came here and he wasn't comfortable initially with the press conference part of it, but he's even grown. He gets up on the podium. Now, he is great. He's, he's, he seems to enjoy it. He shows everybody respect. Uh, he comes up with some great tales out of his past, but he's, he's just a terrific coach and a terrific guy. Yeah, a terrific guy. And he's done a wonderful job with the Philadelphia Eagles. And as usual, he stops by for his weekly one-on-one here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. The Eagles in the NFC Championship game on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. We're here to talk about it, our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadero. Coach, uh, I guess we can talk about getting to the Super Bowl, right? One win away. Um, This is, we are talking on the two-year anniversary of the day you were hired. Um, And one of the big hires that you made was Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator. And we've seen his defense the last two years perform at a very high level. 
Why is that? What, what, what is it about the way he connects with the players and the way this scheme works and the way the players execute it? You know, first of all, it is, it is that, that he connects with the guys. He puts them in positions to make plays. He adapts to who he has, right? Um, and he's done that since, since we've gotten here, adapting to the, to the guys he has and their strengths. Uh, he, he figures out what strengths of the guys. I think you get that connection. The connection is, happens a lot of the times because the players know that you can help them get better. And then it opens up the door for that relationship that we can have with our guys. That's what Gannon's done. He's very personable. You guys get to talk to him all the time. But we have a lot of good pieces to work with. A credit to Howie and, and his staff. There's a lot of good players on, our, on, on that defensive side of the ball. They're really, we, uh, we got great players. We got great leaders. And they're the ones out there playing. And, and so all we're trying to do is put them in position. And Gannon's doing a great job of that. And then those guys are going out there and balling. And uh, it's fun to watch that defense. Our defense has so much energy and so much juice. And, you know, I can feel the fans feeding off our defense and the defense feel, feeding off our fans. And it, it's, it's pretty awesome. You talked Monday about how the Niners do that for D'Amico. You see the same with the Eagles and Jonathan. I do. I do. I think that's. I think it's very similar, and that, and and that's to me a sign like that. You can really, you can really feel that passion that they're playing with, and the celebrating on the sideline um, with their coach, and uh, it feels similar. All right. On Sunday, the Niners come in a bunch of weapons. What are the challenges for JG in this defense? Just that. A lot of good players over there, you know, and you know guys that can can change games. You always think about, hey. Who can't we let, uh, you know, affect the game? And they got a lot of guys. They got Kittle. They have uh, McCaffrey. They got Ayuk. They got Samuel, right? They got a lot of guys that can change the game at those skill positions. They got a great offensive line. They got a quarterback that's, that's, that's doing his job to get the ball to him. You know, that presents a lot of issues, right? And so we're going to just have to be sound with what we do. But we got good playmakers too, right? And, and our guys, are, our good players are going to have to play good against their good players. And how is it going to be any different in an NFC championship game? It's the way it is. There are going to be good players on both sides of the ball. And, and uh, we just got to make sure we're on our stuff. Nick, your offense has scored 11 times first possession drives, nine of them touchdowns. And I wonder how much of a priority is that for you? How important is that? And why is it working so well? Yeah, of course, obviously, you're always, you're always uh, trying to score fast and score often and score as much as you possibly can. That's our job as offensive coaches. That's our job as offensive players, just put as many points on, on the board as possible. And so you want to start fast. You know, I think Shane does a great job of, of teaching the, the guys, hey, here's what we're starting with. Here's why we're starting with it. And we got students of the game, you know, our offensive line, our quarterback, like our tight ends, running backs, uh, wide receivers are students of the game. They get that plan. They look at the plan. They think about their job. They dream about their job. They think about how, hey, how this is going to play itself out in these first, you know, whatever, 10, 12, 14 plays. They, they think about it and they put themselves through every scenario they can get into. And when they get in the game, they're, they're ready for it. And so uh, it's just a great team effort by, by the offense and going out and executing. And, and sometimes it's a result that the defense got us the ball back on offense on a short field. So unbelievable team game, and it takes everybody. I know you've dug in to take a look at what San Fran does. They bring a number one ranked defense in the league. Uh, what are you seeing from them? A defense that plays really hard, really fast, really physical. Um, you can really see that on tape. You can see they're very fundamentally sound. And I got a lot of respect for those coaches over there that they teach those fundamentals of, of tackling and taking the ball away and rushing the passer. Like you can see the fundamentals on their players. And then obviously they have really good players at each level, right? That defense, the front seven is, 
is is a really good group. And then they got players in the secondary as well. Um, and so, you know, good coaching, good players, you know, equals good football teams. And, and we'll have to be on our stuff to make sure that we're playing to our best of our ability. But we have good players too, just like I said about our defense. And, and, and we have physical and fast players as well. And so it'll be a good matchup. On Saturday against the Giants, Lincoln Financial Field, it was an amazing atmosphere. Sunday, we expect the same thing, final home game, um, rookie quarterback on the other side. I mean, what kind of message, what kind of energy do you want the fans to bring? When I talk to Jalen before a big game, I just say, just be you. Just be you. Am I looking at the right camera? Just be you. Because that's the, you can already hear kind of some of their, some of their guys talking about uh, Philly, right? Philly. Uh, they got, I heard they got a great fan base. You know we got a great fan base. There's going to have to be a lot of things they do communication-wise that are going to be harder than what we have to do, have to go through, right? Because I know they're going to be energetic. I know our fans are going to be are going wild and, and bringing that home field advantage and, and, and making sure that we get that advantage because of, of who they are as, the, as a group of, of, of fans. And so, be you. Can you feel it when you're on the field? Can you feel it? Shoot, yeah. Right. Shoot, yeah, yeah. So just be Eagles fans. Be you. Thanks, Coach. Hey, good luck on Sunday against the Niners, our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Thanks for joining. Merrill, the Eagles uh, are a star-studded team. I think we spend a lot of time talking about how the Eagles, how are they going to deal with the Kittles and the Ayukes and the uh, Christian McCaffreys and the Debo Samuels and the Nick Bosa's and the Fred Warners. Maybe we should be talking about what the Niners are going to do against the many all pros and pro bowl players on this roster. Well, I know the defensive coordinator very, very well, and I consider him a friend, but I think if I called D'Amico Ryans tonight, he's not going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you feel the Eagles should attack that defense? I, I think they should attack that defense the way they attack every defense, make that defense adjust to them. Don't adjust their game to that defense. They make great play calls. Shane Steichen has done a great job play, calling plays. And you have a def- an offense that can change on the fly. You have the RPOs. You have the quick decision-making of Jalen Hurts. And you have the best receiving core in Eagles history. I agree with that. So speaking of that, let's hear from some of those players who met the media on this Wednesday. First up, quarterback Jalen Hurts. Obviously two different teams, two different times. Um, I remember getting out early, you know, getting out early, and then had like five touchdowns in the first half. And then um, I think it was like 35-14 at halftime or something like that, and then they ended up coming back. Um, Kennedy Brooks made a, a real good run, made it like 42-something. 40, um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a good game. Glad we won. I think I, have, I just have the desire to, to, to win. I think I have a desire to win. Um, I, I put the work in for it. Um, try and be diligent with everything. I try and be the best teammate and leader that I can be and ultimately try and set, set the pace. Um, and set the temperature of the room, you know. And, you know, I think the thing about leadership, I say it all the time, is people lead because their peers let them lead. And, you know, that takes a lot of hard work. That takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, it takes a lot of trust. And ultimately, all those things bring respect, you know. And I think as a team, uh, we just come a very long way. And um, the beautiful, beautiful thing about everything is that we've continued to just try and climb. I tell them all the time, I said, there, there is no point where you'll arrive. There's only the journey. 
and we just want to continue to live on that journey, but definitely trying to take steps in the right direction, making um, daily deposits and um, you know, putting the work in every day, staying true to ourselves and our process. I mean, they, they're, they're really good all across the board, you know, and I think it starts off with their front seven and, and then having a really good defensive back group. Um, they fly to the ball. They're disruptive at every position. Um, they, they're well coached. They're well coached. So we have a task in front of us. We have a really good challenge, really big challenge in front of us. And as always, we just want to go out there and, and execute, you know, try and be efficient. And now let's hear from Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, who Merrill, I felt, set the tone against the Giants with that f- fist stiff arm that he gave. Yeah, wasn't that something? I thought it was, it, it was to me, Merrill. I thought he punched him in the mouth. Right, but they, yeah. <laughs> and Xavier McKinney kind of got pushed around in that game. Um, no, it was a Dory Jackson. I'm sorry, Dory Jackson got pushed around in that game. It's it to me. It just said, "Hey, the Eagles are coming to play, and they're going to be physical, and they're going to be nasty, and this is Philadelphia, and this is what you're going to get." That's what I loved about it. Yeah, well, they they are, and they're going to get. San Francisco is going to get some of that too. It's it's going to go both ways in this game because you have some tremendous defensive players on their side also. But I think Dallas Goddard is a phenomenal tight end. Now, I asked Dallas in the press conference if it gives him a little bit of extra motivation to know that there's another great tight end playing for the other team. All right, so let's hear his answer as we listen to Dallas Goddard meeting the media. Uh, you know, I never get a, a play against George. Um, you know, I'm more excited about the matchup with me in uh, 97. Uh, he's an incredible player. Uh, I love playing some of the best DNs. I just, you know, that's a challenge. It's it's fun to uh, compete against the best. So, uh, you know, I look forward to that more so than uh, the tight end on the other side. The offense obviously changed, bringing in a whole new coaching staff. Um, and, you know, I think they've been great. They, the detail that they coach with, the uh, um, execution they expect on every single play, um, you know, it's they're so detailed, and when they're installing the plays, they show a clip of what you did and a clip of what it's supposed to look like. And uh, when you make it look like that clip, they give you praise. If it doesn't look like that clip, they show you the clip again. Um, so they're very detailed, and they want it to look a certain way. And, uh, you know, over the last two years, I feel like as a team, we've been closer and closer to getting perfect clips on tape. So, uh, you know, it's just a product of repetitive coaching and uh you know they want to when we call a play they want us to have the clip in our head of what it's supposed to look like so I think it's just the detail that they bring into the game and then obviously they're super smart coaches and take a lot of time to uh get us in good good positions and get good plays against good defenses and uh try to put us in the best position always. Merrill we finally hear from Brandon Graham Eagles defensive end who somehow was not named as a finalist for the Associated Press Comeback Player of the Year finalist, Saquon Barkley, Geno Smith, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I was thinking Christian McCaffrey, too. But they all played last year. Somewhat, but they played through injuries. And in the case of Geno Smith, he played for the while that uh, Russell Wilson was out with the thumb injury. But he didn't play anything like the Geno Smith that played this year. Um, well, let's hear from what, what Brandon Graham has to say. Um, Double-digit sacks. First time in his career. Yeah. Awesome season. But I, I asked him about something else, Dave, that I felt very, very interesting and revealing. I said to him, Brandon, you made the biggest play of Super Bowl 52. You look the same. Do you physically feel the same? And I almost expected him to say yes. And he said, well, 
I've come back. There are a lot of things that I can do. But when I look at myself on tape, I realize that I'm not as fast, that I can't outrun people around the corner. He said, but I can still play the run as well. I can still rush the passer as well. And I can impart knowledge to the other guys on the field that comes from being a veteran, from seeing it all. And so there's it, there's maybe not quite the physical spring that he had as a young player, but boy, I'll tell you what, he still adds every time he's in that game. Brandon Graham meeting the media on this Wednesday at the Novacare Complex. I feel I feel good, man. I know I'm not the guy that I was early on as far as, man, when I see certain plays back then, I look a lot faster. Uh, and I, I wasn't letting these quarterbacks beat me around the court, beat me around the edge on these damn dang on zone reads. But um, I do feel like I'm still, you know, pass rushing the same, uh, still being able to, you know, be dominant in the run game uh, and just, you know, really just enjoying being the leader uh, for the guys, um, you know, because, Coming off the bench, man, I can see a lot. I can see a lot to help uh, highs and sweaty. And, you know, we all be talking about what we're seeing out there. And so, man, I try to be that that shining light, you know, for them guys as far as, you know, trying to make sure that they keep on elevating their game and make sure that they uh, know what we see on the sideline and what they actually seeing on the field is, you know, um, matching up. So I just enjoy my role on this team, man. And my role is, has been great this year. It's been fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and I can't wait to go out there and, and play a big role uh, in this game. Merrill, now it's time to take our first look at the San Francisco 49ers. Chris Biderman, Sacramento B gave me some time early in the week. And uh, we talked a lot about Brock Purdy. I wanted to know, had they seen anything in Purdy prior to him entering the lineup? Let's hear it. The first look. San Francisco 49ers, Chris Biderman, Sacramento Bee. Chris, uh, let's talk 49ers. And I guess the first question I have is, even before Brock Purdy stepped on the field in a regular season game, did you guys like watch him in camp or preseason and go, hey, that guy's got a real shot to be a quarterback? Yeah, you know, watching him in training camp, it was, it was interesting because I think the assumption was that Purdy would, would probably be a practice squad guy because the 49ers had guaranteed Nate Sudfeld. I know a guy that Eagles fans are, are pretty familiar with. The Niners guaranteed Nate Sudfeld's contract. So um, it wasn't an exorbitant amount by any means, but I think going into it, it, it was just sort of presumed that Sudfeld would be the number three quarterback with, you know, or at least the backup with Jimmy Garoppolo still in the mix. Um, but yeah, I mean, Purdy, Purdy played pretty well. I think that in, in training camp, I think the knock on him was mostly about arm strength. But he could definitely run the offense, and I think it became more clear as time went on, particularly when the 49ers had joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings in August, that, that they might be onto something with Purdy, maybe more than you know being a practice squad guy. He, he could run the offense. Um, he could do everything Kyle Shanahan requires a quarterback to do. I think it was just sort of the physical limitations that stood out in terms of just his overall size and arm strength. And, and I think the biggest surprise since Purdy's been playing is, has just been his athleticism and how mobile he's been and his ability to make plays outside the structure of the offense, which wasn't necessarily apparent in training camp or even on the practice field when he was serving as a scout team quarterback. So, um, you know, his, his college body of work was impressive. He, he played a ton of, a ton of games at Iowa state. Um, so the 49ers really liked that about him, but, um, no, to, to to see him get to this point, I think, has been a surprise for just about everybody involved. How would you kind of just uh, evaluate 
the games in the playoffs here against Seattle and against Dallas? Yeah, you know, I, I think he struggled a little bit in, in the first half against Seattle and then really settled in in the second half. Um, I think nerves were part of it. I, I, I think um, ultimately, though, you know, everything with Brock Purdy is, is sort of uncharted territory at this point, right? There's no precedent even for a, a guy drafted as late as he was to even start games in the NFL, let alone be on this winning streak. So, um, but I, I think he's, he's certainly gotten more comfortable. You talk to his teammates and one thing they'll say, the one thing that, that I was told was that, um, you know, there's a difference between being ready and, and being prepared. And, and what really stands out about Brock Purdy to his teammates is just how prepared he is. Um, and, and he plays with a certain level of poise that not a lot of people expected a rookie quarterback, no matter where he was drafted to have in, in this type of spotlight. So, um, you know, I, I, there, there's obviously a lot to the fact that he's playing for Kyle Shanahan and he's playing in an offense loaded with, with skill position, loaded with skill position talent. Um, the 49ers, you know, Brock Purdy completed two passes, I think, out of his 30 attempts uh, against the Seahawks that, you know, guys were in quote-unquote tight coverage within a couple yards of the receivers. So clearly Kyle Shanahan is, is doing well to, to dial up open receivers. That was not as easy for the 49ers to do against a much better Dallas defense, um, which really control, controlled the line of scrimmage, and, and their cover guys were really sticky when the 49ers utilized play action. Um, so that was a much different test, I think, for Brock Purdy. And, and he certainly, you know, had some moments that, that he would have liked to have back. I know the end of the second quarter where he nearly held on to the ball and let the, the game clock expire before they ended up kicking the field goal was one of those moments. And um, I think they were only one of three in the red zone. Obviously, they would like to be better in that area going into Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, he did make some good throws. The 49ers converted half their third downs. Uh, Purdy, you know, even in the first half had a, had a really nice throw to, to Brandon Ayuk to convert a third and 17, I believe it was. So there, he can make throws. He's, he's a little more athletic than, than I think people anticipated. And, and just overall in these first two playoff games, you know, the, the big thing too is, is he hasn't turned the ball over. And that's a, that's a huge thing for Kyle Shanahan. If he believes so much in his scheme that if a quarterback can just run the scheme and not turn the ball over, given how well their defense plays and given the, the skill position guys that they have, they can, they can be a really tough out for any team in the playoffs. Chris, if you were Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator, how would you play it on Sunday against this Niners offense? Yeah, I would really focus on winning the battle up front. I thought that's what the Cowboys did a really good job of for most of that game, maybe until the, the third and fourth quarters when the 49ers were able to have their, their two long scoring drives that essentially uh, pushed them over the top. But um, control the line of scrimmage. If your defensive tackles can play well and, and prevent, you know, the, the guards and center from getting to the second level in the running game and blocking linebackers, that's going to clog up a lot of space and prevent the 49ers from getting the running lanes that they typically like to have um, in the running game. And that obviously sets up everything else they do. I, like I mentioned, the Cowboys were really good in terms of sticking with the pass catchers when the 49ers went to play action. And given how good Dallas's pass rush was, um, that the, a lot of those play action plays just weren't successful because they were longer developing. The pass rush had more, more time to get to Brock Purdy. So it, it's, it's really about controlling the line of scrimmage from a defensive line perspective, I think for Philadelphia and, and look, they're, they're going to have the best defensive line by far. The 49ers will have faced, and obviously you want to be sticking in coverage. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's as simple as it is. Don't try not to overreact to all the window dressing that, that Kyle Shanahan has in terms of, you know, pre-snap motion and, 
and trying to create mismatches. I, I think the key ultimately to trying to defend them is, is to just simplify it, not get, not get too overwhelmed by all the different looks and all the different uh, alignments they'll, they'll have, whether it's George Kittle lining up out wider in the slot or even in the backfield or the same for Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Just focus on winning up front. And, and if you can win up front, uh, then maybe that can take away some of, some of the, the, the looks that the 49ers like to get. Um, because if, if you don't win up front, the 49ers are so good at, at getting the running game going and then building everything else they do off the running game that, that they can be successful that way. So um, really just winning in the trenches, stopping the run. I think it, it, has, to start, it has to start there for, for Philadelphia this week. It's such a great matchup. Now we look at the other side of the ball and the Eagles have a bunch of weapons too offensively and, and score a lot of points and they're going against a great defense. And I mean, you know, how do the Niners kind of, how do you see that matchup? I mean, if you're the Eagles, are you going after the cornerbacks that gave up some yardage against the, uh, the Raiders against the chiefs? I mean, what are you doing against a team that is number one in the NFL on defense and has got such talent and experience and just plays so hard for D'Amico Ryan's? Yeah, you know, the, the Niners defense, I, I think it, it's it's certainly statistically the best in the league, but they, they do have some areas where they can improve. They have given up some big plays, um, particularly to elite-level receivers. Well, when they've struggled in the pa- against the pass this year, it has been against some of the elite receivers in the league, whether it was DK Metcalf in the first round of the playoffs or Devontae Adams of the Raiders going back towards the end of the regular season, um, even C.D. Lamb in spurts uh, against Dallas, like, it, it usually takes an elite level receiver um, to get going against the 49ers secondary. And so obviously the Eagles have at least one, maybe two um, in, in, in the receivers that they have to, to give the 49ers problems with. And, and the 49ers also have, have, you know, sort of historically struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And that's, um, that's guys who can make plays, you know, when the, when the 49ers blitz and, and leave the middle of the field open, um, they've, they've been gashed by mobile quarterbacks. Uh, who can get out of the pocket, and Jalen Hurts can certainly do that. They've also been hurt by design running plays. Um, so it's, it's you know, the 49ers are zone heavy. They typically allow teams to sort of dink and dunk their way around down the field, but try to take away the big play. I think if they can take away the, the big explosive plays from the Eagles, I think that'll, that'll go a long way towards determining the outcome of the game. Um, but if the Eagles are making big explosive plays and, and the 49ers are unable to contain Jalen Hurts inside the pocket and prevent him from hurting them with his legs, then it could potentially be a rough day for them. But, um, no, the 49ers' defense is really sound. Um, they, they throw a lot of different looks out there. The, the defensive line, obviously, is their strength. And, and if they can put themselves in you know, situations where it's obvious passing downs and, and the Eagles are you know, third and six, third and eight, um, and they know they're going to throw the ball and Nick Bosa can pin his ears back and they can start to run, a lot of those pass rushing games, the stunts, the twists, all of those things. And then that's really when the 49ers defense is at its best. But if the Eagles are able to stay ahead of the sticks, they're able to run the ball a little bit. Um, they're able to effectively dink and dunk. Uh, you know, maybe the 49ers can get a little over aggressive at times and then allow some, some big plays out the backside. So um, I think it's uh, to your point, it's going to be a fascinating matchup. It's two two really good teams that, uh, and, and I think the Eagles certainly have the type of offense that can give the 49ers problems, but this is a 49ers defense that's played in a lot of big games, obviously since Kyle Shanahan got here, they're six and two in the playoffs. Um, and they've won on the road before, uh, going back to last year, they won in Lambeau field, shutting out Aaron, Aaron Rodgers from getting into the end zone in that game. 
and then obviously going to Dallas last year too. So uh, the the Niners defense is tested. They've played in a lot of big games, but it's uh, it's certainly going to be far and away, I would say, their, their toughest test of the season going into Philadelphia and trying to slow down that offense. Finally, Chris, I mean, finally, Chris, I, mean I, I look at, at San Fran, I'm like, there's got to be some glaring weakness, and it's their battle-tested check. They've got an experienced coaching staff, check. I, I guess I keep coming back to Purdy, and will he kind of settle back down to earth in, in such a big moment in a hostile environment against the best defense he's played? Like, Or is he really that next incredible story yeah i mean that's you know that's kind of this whole thing right everyone's sort of waiting for brock purdy to turn into a pumpkin is he going to have one of these bad games where he makes a back-breaking mistake that leads to points the other way that just simply hasn't happened the 49ers are 15 and 0 when winning the turnover battle and and purdy you know i think he since he became a starter only has three interceptions um so you know he's He's a guy who's who's done a really good job at avoiding the backbreaking mistake, and I think ultimately that was one of the big one of the big issues with Jimmy Garoppolo is that yeah he could run the offense efficiently and and he has a quick release and can be accurate and allow guys to to make plays after the catch, but Garoppolo a lot of times would be prone to you know just a bad interception over the middle of the field, trying to do too much when he should just throw the ball away, and and Purdy does a really good job of taking what the defense gives him. And also getting rid of the ball and and avoiding those mistakes when when there's nothing there. So I I think ultimately, like I said earlier, Kyle Shanahan really loves that about Brock Purdy and that he doesn't turn the ball over and and it's one of his best traits to be honest. So the one of the main reasons why the 49ers are here, like they can run the ball, they play really sound defense. Purdy can distribute and and get his guys uh, the ball in space and allow them to make plays after the catch without turning the ball over. And if if the 49ers don't turn the ball over, that's really the formula to, to them winning. Um, but if they do turn the ball over, obviously on the road in the hostile environment, it's it's going to be infinitely more difficult for them to, to go win the NFC Championship game against the number one seed in Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, if Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, that's that's a very that's a very clear indication that maybe he is a guy who has staying power in the NFL in terms of being a quarterback a team can – potentially contend with down the road. Um, but if he does have, you know, a multi multiple turnover game in Philadelphia, it's, it's going to be really, really hard for the 49ers to win. So I think th- those are ultimately the biggest factors at play when it comes to Purdy is just, can he continue to not turn the ball over and be efficient offensively? And, and if he does, the 49ers are going to have a shot. If not, it's going to be really, really tough. Hey, Merrill, I also want to get to this uh, former Eagles wide receiver, Torrey Smith was in the house on Saturday. We saw him on the board He was part of the environment, part of the energy of Lincoln Financial Field. I spoke to him this week about that and about this Eagles team and just about, hey, what it takes to get to this point and to advance and to win a Super Bowl. Here it is, a one-on-one former Eagles wide receiver, Torrey Smith. When we last saw Torrey Smith, he was on the video board at Lincoln Financial Field on Saturday being cheered by Eagles fans, alternately we were watching Eli Manning being booed by Eagles fans. And now I welcome Torrey Smith in, our Microsoft Teams Legend of the Week, former Eagles wide receiver, of course, part of the 2017 Super Bowl team. Torrey, good to see you. Um, how much fun did you have on Saturday playing the good guy versus the Eli Manning villain? Man, it was awesome just being at the game. Um, it's Since I retired, you know, I've had the opportunity to – to go to a Ravens game, and I never really was sat in a fan environment. You know, I was kind of in a suite, and it wasn't really the same. But where I was sitting at the Eagles game, 
I felt like I was in a mix. And it was really <laughs> cool to, to watch the fans in action, uh, watch their passion and love that they showed Eli Manning up close. Uh, and it was pretty cool, the reception that you know we were, we were able to get coming back home. Does the fan um, passion, energy, sound, does it make a difference, do you think? I think as a player... For the home team, I think it does. You know, it's one of those things where you feed off the energy of the crowd. You know, I tell people all the time, whenever I would run a deep route, I would know if the ball was thrown. Like, you just hear this, like, ah, <laughs> and you know, like it's up. And it's either going to be praise or, ah, you know, if it's incomplete or you don't make the play. So um, I, I always fed off of it. You see the defense was crazy um, based on the energy there. And uh, as and watching you know, the the crowd, when your defense is on the field, watching the other team, knowing that their communications are different, they're going to have to rely on signals and, and, and sign language simply because of the crowd. It's pretty special. Tori, you played eight seasons in the NFL, 119 games, over 300 catches, 40-plus touchdowns. I mean, you, you won a Super Bowl in 12, Super Bowl in 17. So you'd been through it before. I, I wonder, relate to us, what is the, like, the level of nerves that you have as you get into the playoffs and then go through each stage? I mean, I, to me, I think it's, there are no nerves. You know, you understand the stakes are higher, but at the end of the day, that's what you train for. That's why you worked hard in the offseason. You know, that's why you were there, to try to do your part to help build a team up and to be the best version of yourself. Um, there's nothing like the playoff environment. I tell people all the time, I don't miss playing football. However... I went to the Bengals playoff, Bengals Ravens playoff game, and I went to the game the other day. And if I could have strapped on my cleats, I would have. It's just a completely different atmosphere. Um, the pressure that comes with it, you know, a lot of people hate it because look at what's happening to teams who lost, right? Their fan bases are losing their mind. They're trying to fire everybody, trade everybody, right? Just the emotions of being a fan, but. You love that pressure. You know, you, you love the pressure of trying to deliver. You love the pressure of trying to get it done. And, you know, that's one of the major reasons why playing that game is so special, simply because you're working together for one common goal. Right, so are you trying to tell me that the adrenaline level of Torrey Smith was raised walking out on the field with Malcolm and with Brent and then being in the crowd? Like, you felt like, wow, I'm ready to go? Absolutely. You know, the minute we stepped out, on the field and pregame warm-ups and the music is playing. You know, the last time, well, besides being in Carolina, but the last time that I was on the field at a night game at the link was in the NFC Championship game. And, you know, the first end zone we come out on was the same end zone where, you know, I was able to catch that flea flicker. So, like, the memories just came back right away just standing there. And then you're hearing the music playing, and all I could think about was Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares <laughs> and how guys were crazy in warm-ups. And you know, just observing all the guys, all the fans, the families, the kids. I mean, it was it was really special just to kind of take it in. And I'm extremely grateful that I had the opportunity to see that. Tori, you made so many big plays in that Super Bowl run, starting with, obviously, the, the deflected catch, the deflected pass against Atlanta. As you said, the big one against the Vikings. Lots of stuff in the Super Bowl against New England, what is going through a player's mind right now? Middle of the week, um, getting ready for the football game. Where's your head at? Man, this is it. You know, you talk about all year long that in a perfect world, you want to win a division. You want to be the number one seed. You want to have two games at home to get to the Super Bowl. Well, you just took care of the first one. And now it's like everything that we want is right here. Um, this is an opponent that we know we can beat. And all we have to do is play our game. 
protect the ball, play great defense, and execute. And it's one of those things where, you know, you've been dreaming of it. You know, I think it's easy to stay in the moment, which you're supposed to. Those are the rules, right? But the reality of it is, is everyone and their mom has watched the Super Bowl. Everyone has watched the NFC Championship game, the AFC Championship game with their family. And now it's like, wait, I had the opportunity to be in it. And it's a a thing now where I feel like my perspective now is even better than I would have told you five, ten years ago. Simply because I'm watching it and I've seen it from all spectrums. And it's truly a special experience. There's so many players that will never get to experience what they're going to have the opportunity to experience this week come game day. So take it all in. Take full advantage of it because you're not guaranteed to get back to that spot. So then people like me who hype this up as something different, is a playoff game really any different than a regular season game? I think the stakes are higher, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a snap. You're going to have to run the play. You're going to have to execute, right? Those same mistakes are the same as during the season, except for the next week isn't promised. So you have to try to cut down on those. But the reality of it is your preparation is the same. And I always felt like it's important to keep it the same because what you did is enough. You know, if your process, if you truly believe in it, it's enough. So I think people get in trouble when they try to reinvent things and try to go outside of themselves for one particular game. It's like, no, man, this is what you've done. Your your process has been great to get you to this point. Continue to do it. Maybe study a little bit extra there. But the reality of it is don't psych yourself out by trying to do too much. There's also distractions. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you. Did you get hit up for more tickets? Did you ever even step outside and go to dinner the week before one of the playoff games? Because you know what it's like in the city. People are all over you. How did you block that stuff out? Was it a challenge for you at all? Oh, for sure. Get the tickets out of the way early. Um, I love now that they have digital tickets. So it's just a text message. You don't have to worry about <laughs> filling out names on a letter and passing them out or whatever. Um, so that helps there. But um, get the tickets out of the way. Um, have your Friday night dinner or Saturday night dinner, whatever you typically do, and just get ready to roll. You know, um, it's 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 a game. It's, it's going to go quicker than you, than you know. You know, you're going to be so anxious and stuck in that hotel over there trying to be ready to roll. But you just have to stay focused on the main thing. All right, Tori, you know these teams very well, San Francisco and the Philadelphia Eagles. Your thoughts on Sunday's game? I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, two great teams there. Two teams I had the opportunity to play for, leaving San Fran, coming to Philly. Um, but the reality of it is the Eagles are at home. You take care of business at home. Uh, this team has a lot of positive momentum. Jalen Hurts is playing amazing. I love what I saw to the defense last week. But the San Francisco 49ers, their strength, yes, their quarterback is young. You have to get after him. But their strength is their defense and their running game, what they're able to do scheme-wise. So that defensive line gets after it like they did last week. And the sec- and the defense is still able to you know, drop back eight in coverage. That's going to lead for a long day for San Francisco because they want to try to get the ball out quickly and let their guys get rolling with the act that Debo Samuels there. They have Christian McCaffrey, another former teammate of mine, you know, one of the best players I've actually been around, to be completely honest. Uh, He's a weapon in that pass game. So you want to make sure that you're doing your part to keep everything out in front and also take care of business on the offensive side by dominating in the run game, which San Francisco does have a great defense. But they aren't invincible, and I think this Eagles team is going to get it done at home. Corey, I know that Sunday will be, in a way, a game day for you. So what what are you going to be doing? How are you going to get the adrenaline out? Man, I, listen, I'm going to be locked in, glued into the TV. I can't make it this week because I have some family uh, engagements that I, I can't miss out on, unfortunately. I, I tried my best to move it, but I couldn't. <laughs> um, 
But I, I'm excited. I'm just going to be watching them and taking it all in. After going there last week, I mean, the, the, the fans are so hungry for it. You know, I, I just think back historically how, you know, this organization has always been so close, has been so close. And this team has the feel. You know, I felt like that when I first went to camp. And we talked a little bit there. I was like, man, this this, this team has it. Like, it feels good. This, this energy is there. The talent is there. Harry Roseman did a great job with this roster. And now it's coming to life. You just have to try to figure out a way to get it done one more time to get to the game at the end of the year that everyone dreams of getting to. And then I think this team has the ability to get, to get it done. The momentum is there. And you just have to go out there and take care of business. I love it. We, I do remember the conversation in training camp. You saw it right away that there was just something special. The talent level, the maturity, the, the hunger that you can kind of feel. That Every day at training camp, you can kind of feel that there was something special potentially coming this way. Absolutely. I mean, just watching the guys in the locker room. And there's a talent level to it, too, right? I think that's important to note because every year out of the 32 teams, Everyone thinks this is going to be their year. They're going to be better, right? The reality of it is probably only 10 really stand a chance. And then it's like, who's going to stay healthy enough? <laughs> who's going to have the players that step up to be able to kind of last on the back end? And I think at the end, at the end of the day, when you talk about organizations across the league, there are probably less than eight organizations every single year that you can put in the mix for that they can potentially be in this game. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles – because of what Howie has done with this roster and how Jalen Hurst has developed and going from even Carson the year I was there when he was playing at an extremely high level, this is a team and an organization that's in that list of teams that stand a chance each and every year. So that's something that all Eagles fans should be proud of. I mean, to see it come to light, I mean, everyone should be extremely proud of the coaching staff. I mean, I still remember just a, a few couple of years ago, people were overreacting to a press conference. Mm. Oh, yeah. and I was like, man, I love this coach. I love this coach. Now everyone's buying in um, to him and his vision, and his team does it as well. And that's the number one indicator. If you're ever looking for how good a team is going to be or how they respond to things, don't look at your friends. Don't listen to the folks in the media. Don't even even speaking to myself. I'm on the opposite <laughs> side now. Don't listen to guys like like us. Look at the players. Watch how they're moving. Watch how they respond. And that'll tell you everything that you need to do. And Coach Seriani has done an amazing job leading his team. And it's no surprise that they're sitting right here with an opportunity at home at that to earn their right to the Super Bowl. You're excited. I'm excited. We're all excited for Sunday and the NFC Championship game. Thanks for being such a great part of creating last week's atmosphere. We hope to duplicate that and take it to another level on Sunday. Tori, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Merrill, before we kind of wrap things up here, let's do our extra point here. And we're going to talk to Tony Leonard, who is in charge of the grounds, both here at the NovaCare Complex and at Lincoln Financial Field. I think it's impressive that the Eagles still practicing outdoors, still that the stadium looks so beautiful. Tony Leonard, the man responsible for it, he and his great staff, a little conversation. This is our extra point. Tony, I'm, I'm taken um, by the the... Just the beautiful nature of the field. It absolutely looks great. I look around other natural grass stadiums and there's patches or there's bare spots. Uh, um, tell me about just the, kind of the process of, of getting these fields ready. Saturday it looked great. And then what can you do from Saturday to Sunday to improve any damage that was done in that Giants game? So, you know, 
kudos go out to our staff and to our side farm um, over at Tuckahoe Side Farm in Hamilton. Uh, we sided after the Army-Navy game. Uh, we were hoping we'd be in this position. Uh, we hosted the last two home regular season games, and then we had, you know, we were hoping for these two uh, playoff games, which we, which we were fortunate enough to get. Um, so it all started with them and uh, giving us a good product. And, you know, the guys and the crew worked very hard over the last month. Uh, it's probably the most games we, we've ever hosted in the month of January. Um, but the guys did great with it. And, um, you know, as far as leading into this game, um, not much you can do in late January. Uh, we have the heat system underneath the field, which we are very fortunate to have. And then, of course, having some weather this week um, to contend with. You'll get a little bit of recovery, uh, but for the most part, the field's going to be safe. It's going to be playable. It's going to play exactly like it did on Saturday. Uh, there will be some scuff marks, some imperfections from the game on Saturday night. But all in all, the field's still going to look great, and it's going to play even uh, better. Yeah, so all these games in January, what, what kind of told to that exact? And what, what are you able to do Like in the, in the two weeks during in that bye week, are you actually able to literally grow grass? Yeah, we are. When we have a couple weeks, we can get some seed to germinate. Uh, we can get some recovery in some of the divot uh, areas. So we had two, the, the two games on, uh, we had January 1st and January 8th, and then we had the week uh, for the uh, first round of playoffs. And we were able to get some growth out of that. Uh, we have growth blankets that we continually take on and off, again, with the heat system and with a little help from uh, Mother Nature. It's been a warm January, uh, so that's helped us quite a bit. What kind of feedback do you get from the players, from the coaches, just from the football team? You know, I think it's been great. It's been, um, uh, you know, I think for them, they want to go out and play to the best of their ability, uh, whether it's running, kicking, playing defense, whatever the case may be. But they've been great. Uh, they're they're always good as far as a, as a soundboard to go off of, and even the coaches too, um, to, to let us know what they're looking for or if they see any issues. Um, coach did have them out on it before uh, we had our first game back in January, so they can get kind of used to it a little bit. So just kind of you, you kind of get feedback from them, and then once you get that initial feedback, and then you let them do their thing and let them get comfortable with do you, it. Do you take a look at it, Tony, when it's on the television screen just to kind of – See how it projects to the national audience? Absolutely. I think that's part of it. I mean, we have 60,000 or 70,000 fans looking at it. And then, of course, you know, you have the players that are out there. But you also have millions from around the world literally watching the game. So to get that perspective, I think something that we may stress about may not even show up on TV. Um, so I think some of those things that we look at, uh, but, yeah, I'll catch myself either on, you know, watching highlights on the, on the news or catching a game on NFL Network, watching the uh, replay of it, just to see what it looks like from that point of view. Because we are out on the field during, during the game, so we don't get a chance to see it in that uh, manner. But I think that does give us a chance yeah, to take a look at it. You sit there and you go, hey, this field looks pretty good. Yeah. My guys, my guys, we all did a pretty good job. I, you know, and it's like it's something we talk about with other groundskeepers around the league is to take is to watch that, you know, and I think it, you can learn a lot from it. Cause like I said, it, sometimes we're our harshest critics and I think that's everybody's nature. Um, but I think when you can step back and look at it from a different perspective, I think it allows you to see that and see you're like, wow, this field really does look good. Thanks Tony. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Merrill, it's time to wrap things up here on the Eagles insider podcast presented by Lincoln financial group. How's this game going to play out? Give me the, uh, give me the Merrill Reese view. Going think, back, are you going back to the Super Bowl is what I want to know, Merrill. It's a good question. It's a, it's a good question and one that I, I'm, I'm not prepared to answer. Uh, if you said to me who's going to win, and I will say to you the Eagles, if you said to me, am I sure, I'd say no because the 49ers have a trail of, eight, of 12 wins 
that they have strung together. And I know they weren't all against great opponents, but the 49ers are a very, very good team. They are statistically the number one defense in the NFL. The Eagles are the number two defense in the NFL. Not much to choose between either of them because they're both both great defenses. The biggest difference is the fact that the Eagles have an elite quarterback and they have a young quarterback who is showing a lot of poise, who has held them together in the absence of their first two quarterbacks, or at least in the absence of Garoppolo, because none of us know how good Trey Lance could have been. But I think when you look at it, they're not going against, Brock Purdy isn't going against Jalen Hurts. Brock Purdy is going to work with what his coach Kyle Shanahan gives him. And he's a very, very bright coach, an offensive mastermind. I think the crowd, the home field is big for the Eagles, but I truly believe that this is a game that could go down to the wire. One thing to watch about this 49ers team, they give the ball to the offense in great field position. They are number one in the entire NFL in where they are at the start of drives. That's a very big factor. Turnovers. Turnovers are a big part of every game, and turnovers could decide this one. The Eagles must display ball security. At one point this season, the Eagles were plus 15 in turnover differential. By the end of the season, they were plus 8. Now you can add one more for the Giants game because of the Bradbury interception. But the 49ers in that category were plus 13. So they're very, very good. They're ball hawks also. The Niners, uh, I think I heard a stat, they're 15-0 and when they win the turnover ratio, turnover differential stat. They're, so we all have a million statistics. That might be the key one. It, it usually might. is. It might be. I think the Eagles are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it a little bit more comfortably than, than you think. Well, I, I hope you're right. I think the Eagles are going to run the football very well. I think the Eagles' defense... One thing that really gave me great um, um, inspiration and confidence, the way the Dallas Cowboys defensive line attacked San Francisco, stopped the run, put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, and the Niners scored 19 points, and that's with Dak Prescott giving the football away twice. Yeah, and I've seen seen games like that and they've formed opinions on the last game that a team has played but truthfully and especially during the playoffs each game stands alone and I think this one is going to be an absolute war Merrill we shall see uh three o'clock kickoff Lincoln Financial Field Merrill and Mike in the radio booth and hopefully we are heading back to the Super Bowl I certainly believe so Merrill believes so we just got to figure out a way to get it done the seventh NFC Championship game for the Eagles with Jeffrey Lurie as the owner, the eighth in history. You've been there for all eight of them. I have. Amazing career. Well, it's going to continue yes, because I sure. love it so much, yeah. but I hope this year ends with another Lombardi trophy. Let's, let's hope so. I believe so. Merrill Reese, thank you so much for joining me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly. And Kira Mahoney for putting it all together. Ray Doyle for all of his great work. The Eagles media relations team for providing such great access to the players and the players themselves for being so cooperative each and every episode. And of course, all of you for tuning in to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!